0: What's happening, Rebels? It is summertime. Yes, it is. We're re-recording this right now because my brain froze and I just couldn't get any more sentences out because it's (laughs) summertime, I am slowed down, but we are having a great, great summer. Before we get to the broadcast, because I got a lot to talk about that, I am about to be in Ocean City, New Jersey, preaching at the Ocean City Tabernacle on July 15th. They have such a great summer lineup. They've had Paul Tripp, Woo! I mean, all right. Yeah. I mean, oh. Solid. Paul Tripp, John Taylor, the singer, Mike Singletary, NFL coach, Oliver North. What? Oliver North? By the way, I know Oliver North. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Hung out with him. By the way, Oliver North is the one that gave me my very first bulletproof vest. His oh. company, uh, Eagle something something. Hmm. Yeah, back in the day. Oliver North is the week before me, and then me, Ryan Dobson, octabernacle.org. For more information, July 15th, I cannot wait to see you all there. I'm telling you, yeah. Yeah. The fire is going to get preached. (laughs) The fire. Yeah, I don't think anybody has any idea what they are in for. And they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, Ryan Dobson, that would be so nice. You know, we got Oliver North, like, Mm. hmm. (laughs) <laughs> the firepower is going to be brought. Hey, you know what, Kristen? Early on, somebody said, are you going to be another book review program? And it really kind of stung me. I didn't mm. like it because I love books so much. So anything that's negative against books, one, I'm like, what? How dare you? <laughs> and I don't like listening to book review programs. I don't, like, I don't like that. I don't like that style of broadcast. And we have made a concerted effort to not be that type of a program recently. We are recording all kinds of programs really trying to help you out where you're at as a parent and a married couple right now. And this one is no different. This is gonna help you with your family right now. We have Dr. Kathy Cook, Um, she's a PhD, She's got a book called Screens and Teens. And here's the truth I'm losing the battle of screens with my kid. Mm -hmm. Not kids. Lucy couldn't care less. Lincoln is like me. I love video games. I love the TV. I like playing them. Mm -hmm. We just downloaded the original Donkey Kong on the Nintendo Switch. Oh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Who played it last night while everybody was was asleep? (laughs) This guy. (laughs) So we saw Kathy Cook on Kirk Cameron's movie Connect. And I loved that movie. That will help your family connect with one another, and really get a, a better handle on the screen. She was so smart. We reached out, contacted her, and then we interviewed Jill Savage from last week. Mm-hmm. Co-wrote the book with Jill Savage. It's like, oh, hey, oh. we chose the right person. <laughs> right? And we've got a great conversation with her because we ask real questions. She gives real answers. She's down to earth. She lets me pick her brain. She lets me play devil's advocate because every generation is like, oh, technology, it's ruining society. It's ruining kids. <laughs> I mean, the Walkman was going to destroy families. (laughs) Oh, kids have their headphones on and they've disengaged and that's it. Cassettes, you know, and then CD players and then video. Oh yes. This, Uh, by the way, you can read things about the telegraph that sound like they're talking about the television or video games or whatever's going on today in the internet. Fascinating. And I get to ask her about that as well. She's fascinating. She's super smarty pants. I felt better after talking to her. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're trying to do. When you listen to this broadcast at the end, you're going to go, oh, all right, I can do some things, Mm -hmm. right? I've got some tools. And if you need more tools, if you're like, listen, I am totally out of hand. I need nuts and bolts. I need black and white print. I need it. Well, then go get the book or Mm -hmm. have your library rent it or whatever you want. But uh, she is fantastic. Yeah. So, Should we jump into the broadcast? We should. Let's do it. Let's get there. Hey, if you want to donate to Rebel Parenting, we could use your support in the summertime. It gets really lean, and we only exist because of support of listeners like you. So you can go to rebelparenting.org, click on the Donate tab, all of it's tax deductible. Cool? Cool. Let's jump into the program. Here is Dr. Kathy Cook on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Screens and teens, I got to tell you, here's the truth. I'm just going to start off the bat. I feel like I'm losing the battle. I think, I I really want to say most parents feel that way, but I know so many parents that aren't losing the battle of the screen. I am. I know I'm losing it. I want to jump into what do I do, but here's what I like. This book isn't really about technology. It's about how technology does influence kids' behaviors, beliefs, relationships, and why and how parents can connect with their kids and influence them positively. So that's kind of what we want to talk about. How is the screen influencing kids today differently than before? I mean, every generation that comes along says, oh, it's terrible, this new technology, it's awful. Sure, and... This is a brand new one, right? Right. How is it new and how is it affecting our kids in this new way?
1: You know, Ryan, um, one of the things I would start with is that our kids today are aware of how broken the world is. Mm. Because of the World Wide Web, either they have their own account of social media and they're looking and they're aware of bombs going off in school and church shootings and tornadoes Mm -hmm. and floods and volcanoes exploding, or they're looking over mom and dad's shoulder, or we're at a restaurant, we're having a great time, we're watching a basketball game, and there's a crawl across the bottom that announces something horrific has just happened. Oh
0: my goodness, yeah.
1: You know, when we were young, Mm. we were protected, right? There was news on once a day for 30 minutes on three stations. Now you can watch the news 24 hours a day on a variety of stations with a variety of perspectives, and it's really hard for kids to be aware that, no, God is so good. He's still on the throne. The world may be going to go to falling apart, but it doesn't mean that we should fall apart. So I think kids without faith are depressed and discouraged and, uh, and so are adults, right? Because, oh, yes. yeah. you know, just seeing, Hey, you know, every day there's another something wrong that we should go to the bully pulpit uh, on Facebook for, if you will. Um,
0: And that's really—we all know that. You know, this is the crazy thing. We know, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. You know, bad news sells, Uh, and because news isn't—it's—it's news, quote unquote. Now, it's not news. It's—it's a commercial entity. They sell advertising space. It's very, very valuable. You know, Kathy, when you said that, it made me think. When Laura, Laura had um, surgery for cancer earlier in the year, and when she was in recovery, she was taking pictures of herself to see what it looked like. And Uh all of our phones and devices are linked together. And so when you take a picture on one, it goes to all the devices and unbeknownst to us, before we got home from the surgical center and Laura Uh had a massive surgery. She had, I don't know, 70, 80 stitches uh, in her mouth and her face and, um, to the uninitiated, it could have been a pretty scary looking thing. And before we got home, our 11-year-old had seen all the photos. He had seen photos I hadn't seen. I didn't know Laura was taking those pictures. And yeah. when my dad said, hey, you know, how does your mommy look? And he's like, not very good. And I was like, how do you know what mommy looks like? And he's like, I saw all the photos. And so mm-hmm. it's not just, it's that and it's social media. And it's seen on the crawl across the bottom I didn't realize that. I didn't understand that. It's it's a new perspective to think you're right, news was on for a very short time and now it's twenty four hours. And now it's in your feed. Now it's in your social media feed. It's everywhere. That's man, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. What else? Brian. Mm -hmm.
1: It's it's raw and unedited. You know, when our parents were young, they would watch edited footage from the war department that was approved by the government and it was six Mm. weeks late Mm -hmm. on, you know, some scroll somewhere. So, um, and these are reasons that we can't flippantly say to kids, Hey, God is good. You know, we know God is good because the Bible declares that he is good. He doesn't need to prove it. He delights to prove it. Um, we need to make sure that as the mature adults with a a longer, deeply rooted faith that we defend, if you will, I I wish we didn't have to defend God. I don't know if that's even the right word, but, you know, to make sure that kids are processing their fear and their emotions, that we're available as families to their um, their questions. You know, I'm glad that you were available to your 11-year-old so that you could make sure to comfort and say, no, mom doesn't look all that great, but she's going to be fine.
0: Right, right. Wow, man, that's fantastic. What else? What else are we not seeing? That's such a different thing. When we started uh, homeschooling our kids or using hybrid schools where it's part homeschool, part regular school, things like that, people would go, oh, I went to school, I'm fine. And I go, yeah, me too, but... It's been a long time since I was in school. Have you have you researched what schools like today? I'm just you know things are different, and so what are the things I'm missing? What are the things that I think oh well it's just like when I was a kid, and it's completely not like when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, you know I think because they're seeing the brokenness, I think they're very ready to solve problems way before we were. You know the, the kind of joke that I say is that when I had a lemonade stand as a little girl, I wanted the money to buy myself a new toy today's amazing children and preteens and teens are raising money to build water wells in Africa yeah. and feed the homeless and to collect coats for the you know, homeless or canned goods or they're doing diaper drives for PRCs and
0: mm-hmm.
1: so they're aware that there is discord and, and disadvantages um, in our world, if you will. They want to get in there and get dirty right away. They're looking for their Esther moment I think, at a very younger age than you and I were. And so if we don't, as educators, parents, and pastors, um, allow them to serve with us and encourage them to use their giftings for the glory of God now, they, they will drop out of school. The dropout rate in America is right. frightening. And mm-hmm. I think it's partly because um, they don't think we know that they already believe they're old enough to be difference makers. That's also true in a church youth group Sunday school kind of a right. setting as right. well. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. When you say that, it does. It makes me think of what I was like and the things I was thinking about as a teen and and a late teen, early 20s. And then some of the people I've met, you know, I met the the kids from Crochet Kids International. And when they were in high school, these high school boys learned how to crochet. Then they went on a mission trip and thought, hey, we could change lives. Let's just, why don't we do it? And they started setting up places where people with um, the greatest potential and the greatest need Started making these hats, and then they started locally sourcing yarn. And they have a massive, multi-million-dollar business that started by high school college kids saying, "We'd like to make a difference." They think about different things. Uh, yeah. We were driving the other day, and there was a homeless person on the side of the road. And I'm—I don't know if it was Lincoln or Lucy, but one of them said, "Hey, do you have a bar up front?" And I had uh, a fig bar or a protein bar or something. And, and I said, "I do." And they said, "There's a homeless guy. Give it to him." Um, my six-year-old thinks that way. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, a hungry guy, of course. That's a really interesting positive that's happening today. And I think sometimes parents forget that. We'll think, oh, you're too young to process this. You're too young to deal with this. You shouldn't be thinking about this yet. And they don't have a choice. There's no choice but to think about these things. There's no choice but to deal with grief. I was at a camp for high schoolers uh, last week, and... One of the kids, I was doing a and a afterwards, and I was stunned at the depth of questions <laughs> of children. And one of the girls said, my dad uh, had a stroke, he's 45, and I'm really having trouble grieving uh, who I thought he would be for me and who he isn't today and who he'll never be. Wow. Whoa, you're 17, oh my goodness. Why are you dealing with... But you have to. And she also is dealing with the fact that her dad is grieving who he can't be for her that he wanted to. I mean, those, those mm. are heavy things. Mm. And because they're having to, how do, how, are, are we getting kids into therapy earlier? Are we, how are we <laughs> dealing with some, I you mean, know, I've been in, in counseling for a long time to deal with some of the things I've, I've experienced. How do we start helping kids process younger when it makes us uncomfortable? Or we think I would never have talked about that when I was their age, and it makes me sad they have to deal with these things. How do we process that with our children? Wow!
1: First, we better process it ourselves. Yeah. Right. Mm. Because you know mm. what, Ryan? There's a lot of young adults who um, technology is raising them as well. Mm. You know, the worldwide computer, the worldwide web's been around for 25 years, personal computer for 37 years. So, if you're 37 and under, 25 and under, you have experienced much of what we're talking about here related to kids and teens. And I know of many young adults who have stuffed grief, stuffed fear, Mm. stuffed uh, resentment, disappointment, discouragement, because either they've had no one that they felt was a safe person they could process with, or they didn't even have the vocabulary to say to someone, you know, I'm confused and hurt and discouraged. Maybe they were, maybe they're in the church and they feel like I better not let anybody know that I'm discouraged because God is good and and we don't do them a good service when we don't let them go deep as adults. So that's Mm -hmm. the first thing I would say to our listeners is make sure that you humble yourself and you say, hey, would therapy be appropriate or accountability or could I at least talk to a friend or a spouse and admit that, you know, I'm really far more discouraged than I would like to be and I don't even know the root of it, Mm -hmm. but could we talk and figure it out? And then, you know, one of the things I say in the book is be available. And this is something in the Connect movie with, you know, Kirk Cameron that you you experience this, Ryan. Be available. Live in the living room. You know, be available to the heart cry of your mm-hmm. child. And and don't don't think like you have to have the solution right away. No, they just want to be heard. And they want to be maybe hugged and loved in the moment of their fear. Yeah. And then maybe we get them some help if necessary. But sometimes kids just need to have someone say, I'm hurting too and I'm confused too and I'm sad too that there's a homeless guy that doesn't have a family who loves him and a place to live. You know what what could we do? And then again go to that place of solution if you can. But I think that's the first thing I would say is make sure we're healthy and then be available. And, and also Ryan, you know, let's have fun with our kids. Let's do the very old fashioned thing of playing together. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. board games and you know, resting on the floor and, and and throwing a ball in the backyard and going to the park and you know, we're all so busy and we're Mm also, we choose to be stressed sometimes, but kids want to play and they want to be children. And, you know, my ministry is called Celebrate Kids. We need to remember that even if they are bearing heavy loads prematurely, in our opinion, one of the best things to do is to play a game and win and lose and have fun and laugh. Because you know what? And you know, this is a dad, Ryan. When we, when we play with our kids and explore with our kids, and read with our kids, they know us, and we know them, and feelings and thoughts connect, and then there's safety there, and now they can say, Daddy, yeah. I, I don't like what's going
0: on. That's right. So It's the talking. Did job, it's the communication, right? and the more you're with them, that's the thing that's uh, the availability. You, I love it, living in the living room. Live with your kids. Be with them. Growing up, you know, we had a TV, and it was in the same, it was a, uh, I'm, there 's podcast listeners, so one end of our of our living room was a TV It was a living room that was also connected to our kitchen and where we ate. so we were all in this huge room most of the time together uh, because it opens the door for communication, it allows you to have those conversations. Kathy, in your practice, what are you seeing as the big struggles in kids? What are they struggling with more today than maybe when my dad was doing his practice? He was a a junior high counselor and a district counselor. So what are some of the things maybe that they're struggling with today they weren't then?
1: You know, what's interesting is one of the things technology has taught our kids is that they deserve to be happy all the time. They think everything is new. Now, quick, easy, about them. Mm. You can win any game you play because you can X out of any game you're about to lose because your ego can't handle that you might lose a game. We have the reboot button. And praise God for the reboot button. You know, if I get home from a trip and Mm. my internet is out, I can unplug it, wait 20 seconds, plug it back in, and magic has happened. And I love that. But I'm old enough to know that my brain, heart, soul, and spirit does not come with the reboot button. And so one of the real issues for our kids is... This need they have for happiness, because technology has taught them it's available to them. Well, you and I know it's not realistic. Um, Circumstantial happiness is not something we control, so they think they deserve to be happy. They're not in control of that. It adds Mm. to their frustration, and couple that with the fact that they're seeing despair and the danger, right, and the world falling apart. Mm. And that that conflict, I think develops in them great empathy and compassion, potentially, or a great, um, what do you think, an anger. I think the anger in our culture, the complaining, the lack of contentment is due to a lot of the technology. And adults, we ought to know better Mm. because our brains were finished before we started to use technology. We should still be capable of patience but even we have fallen prey to oh, yeah. the click of the mouse and the DVR and the GPS and the streaming and the air. Buy one song for a dollar, play it forever. You don't have to save yeah. money. Go to the store, buy an album, even if you don't want the whole thing, you know? And so I'm smiling when I say this because it's real. And it's the kids, when I talk to teenagers like at Summit and other places, right. like, oh, now Dr. Kathy, you've given me language to understand mm. why I've got this internal conflict. So,
0: how do we start teaching, you know? It's funny, how do we teach kids to suffer? How do you teach them to lose? You know, I'm thinking one of the good things is you could take kids on a missions trip. That's amazing. Yeah. It's also a little bit later. Um a lot of time has passed. It's not available to everyone. It can be a big expense. And we do, we need to teach our kids how to lose, how to lose well, how to lose often. Most of life is losing. That's yes. what I keep trying to talk to kids about. You know, mine, you know, I'm trying to find new ways. Most of life is is failure. Success Mm -hmm. is the rarity. You just have to get used to it. You have to get used to failing over and over and over, and be like, oh, I failed, I gotta start over again, I gotta start Or the suffering or the grind where it's not, I want it right this second, and if I can't have it this second, I'm gonna lose my mind.
1: (laughs) You know, we've gotta stop helicoptering our kids, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, catching them before they fall, if you will. And, you know, I don't advocate that a parent create a valley experience for a child, necessarily. However, We all know that kids need to learn to be resilient in the safety of their home, meaning that they they bounce back up from defeat, trauma, discouragement, um, and all of those kinds of things where mom and dad and grandma and grandpa are available to to comfort them in their time of loss or in their time of need. If they never make mistakes in the safety of our home, they're going to launch badly and they're going to be emotionally crushed the first time that they fall down and skin their knee, if you will. And so I think the first thing I would say is, Don't over bubble wrap. Don't over protect your children. Um, Let them experience a little bit of trauma if you're available. And Ryan, what about the role of mom and dad sharing the value of the trauma they've experienced? Mm. You know, when I'm in an audience and I say, how many of you are more mature in your character? How many of you have deeper faith because the challenges you've experienced? God showed up. You learned how to pray with perseverance. You learned how to reach out and be humble." So maybe moms and dads need to have those kinds of conversations and be a little bit transparent with their kiddos so their kids understand when they fail, they're normal and they don't have to be ashamed to say, Daddy, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: oh, I cheated on a test and was caught. Or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like it. I do. And it's appropriate. You gotta, you know, it's it's testing those waters. It's waiting in, you know. Some kids are going to be more sensitive uh, to certain things, and you've got it. All kids are different. That's the other one, too, that I keep telling parents. All kids are different. Don't lump them in. Uh, mm-hmm. Our producer, Producer Kay, has twins. Very, very different. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's nice to see that. Same house, same parents, very, very different temperaments and personalities. And that's okay. You can have different bedtimes for kids. You can have different screen times for kids. Um, how do you suggest kind of, you know, let's say like me, I feel like I've, I've kind of gotten out of hand. I've let it go a little bit. How do I rein it in? You know, me, I'm like binary black and white. So um, I used to travel around with a guy that would teach parents about music and media. And he would say, so what you can't do is go home and throw all your kids stuff away. That will, that'll be terrible. So I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. How do I rein it back in? What's what are some reasonable limits? I know all the parents out there are like, what's a reasonable time? Because like, someone will be like, oh, 30 minutes a day is nice. And you're like, 30 minutes a day? Really? Because I'm so far beyond that. I'm feeling whole, so much shame when we go like 30 minutes, more than that, and you're damaging your kid. And then we all think, well, it's too far gone. I'm just going to let them keep going. I'll work on the next kid.
1: <laughs> yeah, I understand that. You know, it's never too late to make changes. First of yeah. all, and uh, you know, the thing that I wanna say, and no one's gonna like my answer, but it depends upon the situation, right? Nice, yeah, I love that anyone, answer, yes. Well thank because it does. Because some kids have more of an addictive personality. Some, and there's all kinds of positive uses of technology, for instance, if a child um, is researching on the web which national park in the state of Colorado to visit this summer, that's a totally great use of technology. Yep. And a very different minute by minute perspective versus a kid who's isolated in a dark room gaming or watching a movie that's maybe not age appropriate. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I'm not really a fan of saying you know, how many minutes. I want to have kids have an eclectic, balanced summer and, um, and childhood. So I want them to read real books, play real games, Talk to real people, spend time in the out of doors, get that vitamin D from the sunshine. A little bit of of technology does go a far way. It's better for you to use technology with your kids. Um, Play a game together on a device. Watch a show together and talk about it is, again, a better use of technology than a kid who has a device in his lap.
0: Mom has a device, dad has a device,
1: and the older brother has a device. Now, again, we're together, but we're living alone.
0: Totally, totally. You know, you see that meme. I've, I've taken that picture uh, secretly at restaurants where there's the family of six and they're all on a screen and you're like, wow, does no one see this but us? Ha ha. And then, you know, a couple of days later, I look up and we're a family of four and we're, three of us are on a screen and Lucy's like, hey, no one's paying attention to me because she doesn't like yeah. the screen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For if sure.
1: If I could add this, um, I want our love to compel us to make changes. Yes. You know, not our fear or our shame, blame or anger or disappointment. God's love compels him toward us. So, Ryan, I I recommend you say things like my love for you. I love you too much to allow this to continue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've noticed that even after you turn off the game, your aggression, your, your speed, your internal is still processing. You don't treat your sister kindly because there's still aggression within you. Therefore... And, and one of the things we can say to our kids, too, is that your behavior causes me to make this decision. Hmm. In other words, I'm not a bad dad. Right. And, and you're not necessarily a bad kid. You didn't know what you were doing when you were playing that game. But I've observed this happen to you. Yeah. Or it might be a kid who's on social media and develops a self-centeredness where it's all about me and I'm amazing and look at my performance. Yeah. Mom needs to say, hey, I love you too much. I'm stewarding your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and this is not healthy. Therefore, give me back my phone. You know, if you pay for it, it's yours. So give it back. Um, I love the word we instead of you. Um, We are going to make some changes here. Right. You need to turn that off. Mm -hmm. You know, we as a family, we have a family value, a family culture, a family mission, and we've decided technology is interfering. So, you know, I'm going to commit to check ESPN.com and the news station and the banking website after you're in bed. And I'm going to ask you to commit to you know not being on your technology during the the pure, the, the peak times mm-hmm. when we've got the family times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like I like teaching kids the difference between want and need. You know, yeah. you don't need more screen time. You want more screen time and you don't always get what you want. Right. You know, and this is where parents stand up and mm-hmm. say no. Let your no be
0: no. Hey Kathy, I have a, a, a weird question. When I was growing up, you know I got my first cell phone, oh my goodness. It was way earlier than most kids. We had weird security concerns, and it was only in my car and all that. But my parents regularly and all parents, all parents would pick up the phone and listen to your kids' conversations. That happened in every household in America since the telephone was invented, and that went away overnight. It literally went away overnight. And so now you've got kids with tablets uh, that can communicate privately with their friends and other people, and so you've got parents checking texts, and it's seen as this huge breach of trust, which as a parent, I don't think that it is, one. Um, I want to mm-hmm. know who you're talking to and what they're saying to you and how you're being treated and are those kids being not, you know, all those things. How do we enter into those conversations? I've got moms writing me going, hey, uh, you know, I was reading my daughter's phone and the text and the things they're saying about another girl in her class are terrible. What do I do? She's going to freak out if I'm reading her, quote, private stuff. But she's 13. What do we do? Well, yeah,
1: no, that's a great question. I I get the same kind of pushback and questions as well in my audiences. And I think, first of all, when you give your child a device and you set them up with contacts, you make it clear from the get-go, I am the owner of this Mm -hmm. and I am your mother. Therefore, my responsibility is to be alert to how you're using this and what you're doing. Now,
0: I'm I'm going to interrupt just for a second. This is the thing, too. Whether or not your child pays for the device, the Mm -hmm. privilege to own the device at all is given by a parent. Therefore, included in that privilege is 100% 24-7, 365 access whenever... No password protect, you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. And parents need to take back that parental role. You do not have private things in a household if you're a child. These, You have the privilege to own a phone that I can look at whenever I want
1: exactly right and you know it's no different from my parents making sure that the library books I checked out were legitimate right. no different from a dad looking under a, a boy or a girl's mattress 25 years ago yeah it's the, the parents role and responsibility to be the parent mm. and if a kid complains they lose the privilege if, if I, I mean I would say very respectfully if a child does not like you being on their Instagram account being on their Facebook account checking their text messages yeah. they lose the privilege right because and and so you you know, and, and I want to say to the parents, you know, maybe some of you need to apologize and say, Man, I've, 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 I've gotten lazy. And I really apologize for not checking as often. And it's wrong. And I have not loved you the way that I'm supposed to be loving you. And I'm going to get this back. And so you're going to see me on your account more often, not because you've necessarily been bad all right. of a sudden, but because I'm choosing to take back yep. my role as dad. Yeah, take the ownership.
0: Totally. Take the ownership. It's- yeah. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. Just say, hey, you know what? I've totally blown it. I'm really sorry. I've let this get out of control and I should trust you more and I do, but I've blown it and so I have to catch up and so this is what's happening and I'm sorry, it'll feel like micromanaging and just put up with me for a little bit and you know, whatever that is. Just be gracious.
1: Absolutely. You know what Ryan and I was just talking to a mom today, let's not let our kids be mean. You know, if yeah. you read, uh, you know, a text stream or whatever, and you see that you've got a boy or a girl at home, and and the language stuns you, mm-hmm. that what they're saying about another kid deeply disappoints you. You need to let them know that, and say, "I I did not expect this from you. We are not raising you this way." Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and we're very, we're, you have a right as a parent to your disappointment. Now, don't don't internalize that to the extent of you know I'm a bad mom. You know, right. be careful of that. Yeah. Um shaming yourself. And then and here's what you think if you say to a kid why did you do it you know they don't have a clue of right course. or that I don't know that question but here's a question that might work Ryan what do you think of this what if we ask children what was in your heart what were you feeling toward the person or yourself mm-hmm. that caused that i want kids to know that something caused it yeah. were they jealous fearful angry mm-hmm. embarrassed did they feel like they were lonely, therefore they needed to be part of the tribe? Right. What was what was in your heart that caused that? Well, what do you mean, Dad? Well, your heart is the center of your beliefs and your behavior. Mm. What was going on there? What should we be talking about?
0: I see kids try things not really understanding what they're doing. They'll, they'll say something and get a reaction and, and that's a powerful thing. And they're gaining power and it's like, oh, I said this thing, You know, you'll see kids tell a joke and then tell it 50 times in a row. And you're like, you have to explain, hey, it's funny the first time. And then every consecutive (laughs) time, it gets a little less funny. And then that exponentially increases. So it's it's funny, (laughs) funny, funny, not funny anymore at all. You know, and, or they'll say something mean and get a reaction and think, oh, that's power or those different types of things. And there's a great book. We just interviewed the author. Um, Thomas Lacona, How to Raise Kind Kids. One of the things I like about this is he's got very uh, and a, a lots of lists, but specific things to say based on what it tells your child. You know, if if a if a small mm. child pulls hair, we say, um, you know, you pulled hair, pulling hair hurts. We don't pull hair. You know, there's a there's a process to that, and it's teaching children. That's why I like that book. And Especially if you see your kids being mean, there's things you can say that's that process of teaching of that's mean. Mean things hurt people. We don't do mean things, you know, and we have Jesus in our hearts and He would want us to be mean. You know, there's lots of things you can say instead of it's not you're a bad person. That's an identity statement of we've done a bad thing or we may have hurt somebody's feelings, but we're not bad. We've done something and we need to correct it and this is why.
1: That's good. You know, another thing related to what we're talking about, Ryan, is I believe technology has taught kids that they are their own authority. Uh,
0: listen, you know, when I, was a- I have a mom that wrote this. I was just getting ready to read it. I was pre-reading it, listening to what you said. It says, uh, how would I respond to my child who has decided she doesn't want to go to school anymore because Google, uh, he has Google to teach him. I ask yeah. Siri and I ask Google and it tells me everything I need to. And my teacher said this, but I asked Google and Google was different. You know, And then I told parents this, I, I was trying to coach somebody, his, his parents are getting older and he doesn't know what to do, and I was researching on Google how to watch your parents grow older, and I typed in how to watch your parents, and then Google said how to watch TV without your parents knowing, how to watch Game of Thrones without your parents knowing, how to smoke cigarettes without your parents knowing, how to uh, have a relationship uh. without your parents knowing, and it was like, oh... The internet's helping children thwart their parents' parenting abilities. Like, goodness gracious. And now we have kids that are like, listen, the internet tells me what's right and wrong. By the way, Google is a privately owned company. We forget that they can put out the search results. They can put whatever they want.
1: Exactly. The bias is very obvious on what's the first of the search engine, if you will. Right. Yeah. And so for the reasons that you're explaining, you know, kids are thinking, no, I'm not I don't need anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, there's been a lot of authority failures in the world that we're aware of because of the news and social media. Um, their own parents have maybe failed them by lying or not being available by being too busy by not following through Mm. all kinds of things i don't say that lightly we have denominations and and pastors who have decided certain bible verses are no longer true so authority in our country you know when i was a kid there was a black and white biblical morality and the people that i hung with were very much like my parents there was not a lot of inconsistencies if you will in what i was hearing the, the songs I listened to, the show I watched Father Knows Best on TV and he did. Right, you know? Right, and right. so today's kids, um, I don't envy them mm-hmm. because there's a variety and it's confusing. And so the whole authority coin is messy. So back to this idea of do I have a right to look at their phone? Absolutely. You might need to earn the right back right. Mm-hmm. by having those hard conversations yeah. because you maybe have blown it. And this is what we need to own it. And the, yeah, the kid on Google and kids tell me all the time, you know, Ryan, I don't know if you've ever done it, but I have my phone right here. You can ask Siri the meaning of life.
0: Oh, no. She tells
1: you she's wrong. She's got about 20 different answers. If you ask her the meaning of life, my favorite answer is chocolate, but it's still wrong. Oh,
0: goodness gracious.
1: Oh my Man. goodness.
0: You know, here's another thing that's different too. I was watching, uh, I was watching the Oscars. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel hosted the Oscars. And there was a section where they were talking about, uh, I forget the name of the movie, but it was a gay-themed movie, and they talked about it winning an Oscar and not making any money, and he looked at the camera, and with a smile, he said, we don't make movies to make money, we make movies to make a point, Uh, and to piss off Mike Pence, which, uh, but here's the truth. The statistics are very, very correct that Kimmel was 100% right. Mm -hmm. He said Mm -hmm. it as a joke, and it was not a joke. It was not a joke Mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form, because the studies show 80% of all the money made in film, 80% of all the money made in film are made on films that are PG-13 and below. 80% of all the revenue brought in from films is PG-13 and below. 80% of all films made are R and above. It's because there is a clear-cut agenda. It's not about making money. It's not about box office uh, records. It's about the agenda. It's about the agenda.
1: Yes, and let's let kids know that. Mm -hmm. Let's teach them discernment. Let's teach them bias. I think that's stunning and and frightening. Um, do you want me to tell you something about the movie Frozen? Please. I don't know if you're gonna like this or not, but it's it reminded me of when you were talking and you and I were talking about authority a mm-hmm. little bit ago. So the movie Frozen was an amazing movie. There was sister love, you know, the animation, the the music. It was a great movie in many respects. Um, but listen to the lyrics of the song Let It Go, the song that millions, oh yeah, millions of children have memorized, and their parents were forced to memorize it as well. Uh, Two things you and I have talked about on the podcast. Uh, Here's some of the lyrics. Be the good girl you always have to be. Conceal, don't feel, don't let them know. Let it go, let it go, you'll never see me cry. Here I stand and here I'll stay, let the storm rage on. So there were lyrics in that song that taught children to conceal their feelings and really hide from their parents. Mm. Another lyric in that song is this. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. That's the authority line. Yeah. So when you and I are talking about, again, this technology, and I'm glad you brought up the Oscars and movies, it's not just the device in our hand that is a phone. No, that phone or that mini iPad or that whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's movies, it's TV, it's it's lyrics on songs. The other thing about that that movie uh, Frozen, Ryan, mm-hmm. the parents died 15 minutes in. Yeah. Definitely. The children raised themselves. Those girls raised themselves. That could have been a great movie with the parents alive. Right. It could have been a very similar movie, mm-hmm. but the Hollywood agenda let's get rid of the family. Yeah. The girls, they had a skill, and the parents locked her in a room rather than developing it as a strength to the good of the world. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. There, there's so many messages that are hidden, but they're not hidden if we choose to see what's potentially harming. The the heart Mm -hmm. of our children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do we love our children deeply enough to protect them well enough? Right.
0: Well, and here's the thing, too. This is something a parent can do because uh, growing up in the 80s, what parents tended to do was isolate. Oh, well, then we're going to isolate from everything. And this is why you have really bad Christian films and some really bad Christian music coming out today because they left the industry for decades and decades you can just have good conversations with your kids. You could be like, "Man, Frozen is so fun. What a great movie, And did you also know this? You know maybe not right afterwards, maybe not I remember and no. here 's what i 'm saying. I went to see um one of the Indiana Joneses with my dad and a good friend of my dad 's and and little and our friends and it It was the first scary movie I had seen. Um, it was Temple of Doom. there was all kinds of crazy stuff. And I remember the conversation my dad and his friend had on the way home where they essentially talked about all the bad things in it. And, uh, and we kind of felt guilty for loving it so much because it was so scary and Indiana Jones was so cool and he had the whip and the, all the things. And, and we felt guilty in a way for liking it. And they didn't mean that. We've talked about it since then. You don't have to do that with your kids. Just have good conversations mm-hmm. with them. I'll let them have a little autonomy and thoughts.
1: Yes. You know. Yes, I'm glad you said that. I was not ever. I was not implying. You know, don't let them enjoy the movie. Totally agree with yeah. what you're saying. well Look for the teachable moment and recognize that if you see mm-hmm. a son or daughter getting to behave in a way that is against your family values. Ask yourself the hard question as a mom and a dad, what have we allowed in that is contributing to the confusion we're seeing in our kids? They're not bad kids. Something's going on here. And might it be a a song you don't know they're listening to on a device that you've allowed them to own? You know, Mm -hmm. is there a movie that they're watching often that has a disrespectful character? Oh, yeah. And that's where they to speak in that disrespectful manner because they think it's really cool because in the movie, that was the cool kid. Yep. Then let's own that. Let's apologize for allowing our kids to be influenced by that. Let's teach them why we don't agree that that's appropriate. And then, Ryan, if I could suggest that we very boldly get out the Bible, you know, because if we say that God is our authority, yes. and if we say that the scripture is our authority and, it, and it's where we turn, then do our children see us do that in times of need? Um, Because this is what kids are telling me. They don't know what their parents' authority is, so they don't know why they should trust their parents. They don't see their parents trusting anyone.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. Of course, the kids tell you that like, well, where do my parents get their rules from? What do they know, you know? Absolutely, that's funny too, because I always talk about the Bible as the ultimate authority, just because I I went to Summit. I learned Christian worldview at such an early age. You know, Those things. Uh, Kathy, before I go, I want to play a little bit of devil's advocate because every time a new technology comes along, uh, the generation before talks about how it's going to ruin society and the fabric of society, and and it's going to you know tear it away. It was uh, telegraph and newspapers and TVs and video games. Um, and for me, I have a super addictive personality. I remember when video games came out in arcades. I love, I love going to the arcade today and. The trouble I got in for using three quarters of my lunch money on arcade games and only eating a tiny fraction because I could play more video games and having to pay it back. And... But here's the truth. Technology is only becoming more and more interwoven in our society. We have Alexa in our rooms, and our kitchens. Um, You know, the the usefulness is, there's amazing things with technology, uh, with augmented reality that's coming along and virtual reality. Uh, I was learning how to weld better from the Miller Electric uh, virtual reality welding rig. They have a virtual welder, and I'm a better welder because I was using it how do we also embrace technology so our kids learn how to adapt? Because we're in this in-between time uh, to where they are. It's it's too much. Their brains haven't adapted to uh this technology yet. How do we work in this in-between time to not overwhelm them to, you know, to not overstimulate them at such an early age that can have problems with adrenaline and fatigue and and dopamine and serotonin. There's chemical factors in the brain that can be affected by this.
1: Yeah, exactly. Thanks for asking the question. I think uh, a balance and be eclectic as a parent, you know, that's, I'll start there again, board games and jigsaw puzzles and shooting hoops and having talks and long car rides. It won't kill you to learn to be bored and look out the window. I'm a huge fan of the car being digital free unless there's a great podcast or talk radio, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so that you can have a conversation with your kids. Um, I think dinner should be digital free so that we can have conversations. Somebody will feel the quiet. And I don't mean just in a restaurant. I mean at home uh, when you're eating a meal, have silence so that someone will talk. And I think that that restores the mind and and rests the spirit, if you will. So I think balance is becoming really, really important that we parent out of a sense of um, stewardship of our kids, Mm. hearts, minds, spirits and souls and I think I'm um, using the tools as toy, as tools more than toys. Yeah. So, you know, using our devices for research and for um, connecting. I mean, I love being on social media with nieces and nephews who don't live near me, my brother mm-hmm. and his wife. You know, I have friends all over the world, I've been in 30 countries, and I can stay connected because of social media. So none of it is inherently bad. It's, you know, it's balance. Um, are we available to each other? And absolutely, if we want to stay connected, grandparents and parents, we do need to learn how some of it works. And so let kids teach you, you know, say to a child, why do you like that song so much? What is it about it? Why do you go to that movie over and over again? What is it about it? Um, Tell me about your favorite video game. Could you teach it to Mm. me? I would just like to know why you like doing it so much. And and by the way, thank you for not playing it when you're at at my apartment, says the grandmother. You know, right. Um, so I think if we want them to walk toward us, we do need to walk toward them and we need to help them understand. One of the things I do, Ryan, when I speak to teenagers mm. is I talk about my first electric typewriter and what a big deal it was to go from manual to oh, electric. Oh my
0: goodness. I learned and, I mean, was typing some- on a manual yeah. and then it switched to electric and it was like, oh my goodness. Just
1: because it was a light touch and the little ball went zipping mm. through and talk about invent, with the- we had to erase the typewriter and the paper would get a hole, but then someone invented whiteout, mm-hmm. and then somebody invented a black and white typewriter ribbon. Now, people listening who are young, they're like, what is she talking about? Oh, yeah, about? totally. This is real. And young people need to know that we've always had technology. It's always changed. But the speed of technology changing now has all of us in a dither. And kids need to know that. And, and so what young people say to me is, Dr. Kathy, I had no idea how how different it really was, and now I understand why my grandmother is so frustrated that I want everything so quick. Yeah, that's right. And I understand why she thinks cursive writing is a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's you know what, Ryan, it's all about the conversation. It is, and that's why I value your podcast because that's what you're doing here is having a conversation that matters, and we've got to keep it alive. That's why my sub the subtitle of my book connecting with our kids in a wireless world. And that's why I loved the title of Kirk Cameron's movie, Connect, we have to stay connected. It's
0: a fantastic one. Dr. Kathy. thank you so much. It's a fantastic book, Screens and Teens, connecting with our kids in a wireless world. I love it, I love the conversation. Thanks for being on the broadcast today. Hope to have you on again. You are very welcome, I'd be happy to come back. Thank you so much. Have a great day, thanks. You too. Rebels, I hope you enjoyed that broadcast. Kristen, you guys had to jet out a little bit early, but man, she was so down to earth. She just makes you feel calm. Mm -hmm. You know, she's got a private practice. She deals with kids. Mm -hmm. I like talking to PhDs because they make you feel, oftentimes they can make you feel better. Right. And with Lincoln and I, I want to let him watch more screen than would be healthy for him because Mm -hmm. I like it that much as well. And he knows it. And he's a really good kid, and so we're both struggling with it. And I just felt better about this. I think he and I are having better conversations, and I'm gaining a better sense of, not control, because I don't I don't want it to be a control thing. Mm-hmm. I think we're having a better balance of the screen in our home right now. Yeah. What do you think? More of an understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what we didn't talk about on the broadcast today is something that we use in our home. It's for filtering pornography out. It's called Circle. Plugs into your router. Uh, It allows you to set time limits on apps, bedtimes, to get a real idea of what's going on in your family. You can see each individual device, who's on it, what they're looking at, what they're using. It'll filter out porn, Uh, and if you go to any of our social media pages, we'll pin it to the top. You can get a link there. It helps out Rebel Parenting if you buy Circle Through Them. Uh, We've also used NetNanny. We've used Covenant Eyes, Mm -hmm. Uh, a a number of other um, online software-style filtering options, Um, To varying degrees. And here's the truth. Is any one of them perfect? Nope. Mm -hmm. But they're worth it. It really is. It's a little bit of insurance for your family. So, head head us up on social media, at Rebel Parenting, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, you name it. It's there. And you'll find the link to Circle. Cool? Sounds good. God bless y'all. Have a great week. And we'll see you again for another edition of Rebel Parenting.